You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live on a Thursday morning. It's the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I have my co-host back in action today, fresh off of uh, a successful hunting weekend, Scott. Yeah, it was successful. Uh, Got one in the bag. Also caught a bit of a cold, so apologies if I sound a little stuffed up. So sitting out in the terrible weather all weekend, uh, it got to me, but uh, glad to be back. Again, glad I didn't put too much emotional investment in our football game this past weekend and uh, let Kevin break that one down. So uh, I might get a weekend off here. We'll see. But uh, let's get into it. Now, I'm not a I'm not a big hunter. I have never actually been hunting before. We've talked about this before, but uh, I do enjoy the the free meat I get often from some friends throwing some venison in the freezer is your successful hunting weekend? Is that a, a regular occurrence? No. I mean, <laughs> for some people, probably. For me, no, not so much. Uh, I, this is my third deer, so it's, it's happened before, but not very often for somebody who's hunted as many years as I have. So, uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good, uh, good weekend. It was exciting. My dad also got one. So, uh, all in all, Ooh. it was great. Opening weekend. We don't have to worry about hunting the rest <clears> of the year now. The bags are full. So That's uh, a big weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was good. The weather was horrible. It was like a hurricane up there. For those of you who are in Michigan, especially Northern Michigan, it was like teetering around freezing rain, snow mix. We got some sleet. There was like high wind warnings, basically the best weather you could ask for to sit out in the woods all day. (laughs) Yeah. And I got to give a shout out to my guy, Scott Brown on Twitter, SL Brownie. He shot me a DM uh, that his son got a nine point uh, buck over the weekend. So he uh, didn't seem too thrilled that it was his son getting the score and not him, but I've uh, got to give him a shout out. So um, let's, let's talk about some football here because it looks like, so basically before we start this, I guess we're recording this about 4 PM Eastern time on Wednesday. We do not know if the Maryland game will be played at, kind of seems like it won't Maryland hasn't practiced all week uh we should know in theory by the end of the night tonight if that game will be on or not we're not going to break down the Maryland game here today if there is an announcement that the Maryland game will be played I will do a, a separate podcast that will be aired Friday morning to preview it 
again right now it seems like it probably won't so we are gonna talk about some kind of like mid-season snapshot stuff look we've we've played four out of our eight scheduled games so we're right at the halfway point and uh there's there's a lot to look back on and kind of say like okay what did we think going into this year was going to happen what has happened through four games how off were we on some of these predictions where were we right on um, so we'll talk about that a little bit. There is some news uh, on the recruiting trail. There's some news uh, in the transfer portal. So we'll get to all of that. It'll be a little bit of a mishmash here today. We'll we'll try to hit all of it and uh, we'll, we'll have ourselves a good show here. So Scott, we're four games through the 2020 season. Again, we've scheduled eight games. Uh, ideally, there's that ninth uh champions week game so hopefully even if this maryland game is canceled we'll still get eight games uh played under mel tucker's first year but I, what kind of really stands out to you through these first four games is there any like big surprises is there anything where you're like yep this is kind of what i thought was going to happen yeah i mean when you look at you know the four games we've had if you were expecting all of our problems under mark d'antonio to disappear um in a sense, there a few have gone, but we, we're seeing some similar storylines, specifically the fact that we have a pretty good defense and an absolutely horrible offense. Um, obviously, that was a trend in the last few years under D'Antonio. Uh, some years were worse than others, but uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the past couple games, the, the story is starting to become, you know, in the second half of this year, how are we going to score points? Um, so, I mean... Not to say it was particularly unexpected. We knew about the QB issues. We had big question marks at the offensive line. We probably thought we were a little bit more solid at running back than we are. We certainly thought we were more solid at running back than we are. Our leading rusher doesn't even have 200 yards this year on the ground. Um, and our receivers are great, but you can't do much with good receivers if you don't have a way to get them the ball. So uh, the offense is bad. Uh, you know, it's a down year, whatever. If, if Maryland gets canceled, it's seven games to muscle through and figure yourself out in the offseason. I was hoping for more, obviously, but it's not necessarily a surprise, just more of a, a validation of some of the concerns we had going into the year. Yeah, starting with the offensive side, you mentioned a couple things there. I mean, look, it, everybody that's listening to this, you you probably heard our previews and you know the optimism we had going into the year, I, I will say it was kind of a cautious optimism, I think. Um, but look, we, we both thought this team had the capability to win a lot of games this year. A lot of the key pieces just haven't really been successful. I mean, we thought that Eli Collins was going to be a star running back like he was last year. If you told me going into this season that halfway through the year, a healthy Eli Collins has 19 carries and three catches. I definitely wouldn't have seen that coming. Uh, some of the guys on the defensive side that we thought were going to break out like a Julian Barnett just haven't worked out. So yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot that's happened here that we did not expect. I mean, Jordan Simmons is our leading rusher right now. He's taking the bulk of the carries right now. He's, uh, leading in yards and yards per carry and attempts. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Um, it, it's It's been a wild year. It's been a wild start to the season. So and the quarterback stuff, I guess to get out of the way, like I don't, nothing's really surprising for me there. I mean, I this is kind of what we talked about this topic 
quite a few times where, all right, Rocky Lombardi's going to start the year. Is he going to finish the year because of his play? And we've already seen that play out. Rocky Lombardi started the year. His play hasn't been good. And we've already brought in another quarterback. So does Peyton Thorne hang on to the job? Uh, does it get passed back to Rocky? Does Theo Day get a shot? Um, that's going to be something interesting to follow. But the way that that position has played itself out I, is not surprising really to anybody, I, I think. So, um, again, the running backs are a little bit crazy. And the wide receivers, uh, we we projected that to be a really talented group. Uh, and it it's pretty much planned out that way. It's between Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, Ricky White, you, you have a lot of talent at that position. Uh, Trey Mosley is somebody that he's been dealing with some injuries and hasn't gotten the chance to get on the field. Trayvon Morgan, we haven't really seen, but it's a talented group. You just have to get him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, back to the quarterback situation, you know, like you said, Rocky, I'd say through two weeks looked better than we thought. Well, he had one game. He we certainly looked, he looked better than we thought, but it was really that Michigan performance was built upon one matchup you know, our outside wide receivers getting behind their man-to-man corners, and it hasn't really projected well or mapped out well onto a more traditional defense, and that was one of our concerns. And um, one of the other things that I don't think you can move on from the quarterback situation without noting is that Peyton Thorne didn't exactly look great either. Um, he he, had, he showed some spark. He had a couple plays where he, you know, extended the play and made the right decision, whether that was throwing it out of bounds or he had one nice – I think it was like a 25 yard completion to, uh, to read on the sideline. And, you know, so he's done some things where Rocky did some things too. I think, I hope Thorne gets an opportunity to, uh, you know, take some QB one reps at practice, hopefully in a game, whenever our next game is, we'll see what he has, you know, with, with a normal warm up and with the normal, with his expectations set as, as QB one, but uh, don't expect, <laughs> don't expect the second half of the year, that QB situation to sort itself out completely. Um, I think whether or not we have a guy on our roster right now, who's going to be the guy going forward, uh, it's going to take some work. So um, I want your take though. How would you feel given our quarterback situation? If we went out and got like a graduate transfer or somebody else from the transfer portal. That's, I mean, I I've actually, I don't think we've brought this up on the podcast. It's something I've, I've talked about on Twitter and on, on some, you know, forums and uh, but I, that's kind of my ideal plan. Honestly, I, I just, I, I gave Peyton Thorne a C plus for his performance over the weekend. It was, it was decent. It definitely doesn't, you know, knock your socks off. He didn't put any points on the board at the end of the day. Like, I don't know if the quarterback is on the roster. I don't know if Hampton phase is, is going to be the guy. I, I just, I think the the plan here is to go the transfer portal route. I, I guess I shouldn't say I think the plan is, but that would be my plan. It, it's worked for a lot of schools. Now you go back to Russell Wilson at, at Wisconsin is a very obvious example, but even you look around the landscape right now in the Big Ten, Justin Fields at Ohio State transferred. Uh, Peyton Ramsey at Northwestern has that team humming. He was a transfer from Indiana. You get a lot of these guys. I mean, the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh probably had at Michigan uh, was Jake Rudock, who transferred in from from Iowa. I, I mean, it's it's worked for a lot of schools, and I think, I mean, would would this was a, a conversation that was had on uh, on a message board? 
would Michigan State be an attractive destination for for a talented transfer quarterback? I mean, I don't think they'd be the top of the list for, you know, the top talent. But you take a grad transfer, if we're trying to fill a year here or there, take a guy like Peyton Ramsey. I mean, I'd probably take Peyton Ramsey in this offense right now. Just somebody who's going to make smart decisions, who can make most of the throws. It's not going to knock your socks off, but he's not going to make, like I said, a lot of mistakes. And I mean, no, we're not going to get the nice Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, whoever it might be. But, you know, get a guy that's that's seasoned, you know, has three, four years under his belt somewhere else and bring him in for a year. Ideally, I'd love to get a guy for two or three years to give us a little bit more time to, to bring in some, you know, homegrown talent and find our next guy. But no, I think, I don't think we're going to find, like I said, some guy who's going to put his name on a Heisman watch list or anything at Michigan State. But at the same time, we do have a talented receiving core. And, uh, you know, it's it's still a Big Ten school. It's going to get you a lot of exposure, especially if you're trying to get one last year on your resume, maybe try to sneak into a backup position in the NFL or something. Yeah, that's that's where I kind of went. I'm like, look, the, it's a talented receiving core. It's a young receiving core. If, if we do bring in somebody from the transfer portal that has a couple more years of eligibility, uh, you know, the, the obvious issue is the offensive line and we'll get to that in a minute, but you have a coaching staff who's at least shown the, the willingness to push the ball down the field a couple times this year. So if you are a quarterback that, you know, wants to showcase that it's a staff that's at least shown that in the Michigan game and shown that, Hey, look, you know, we can push this ball and you're going to be able to make those throws down the field that NFL scouts are looking for. And um, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's, it's a big 10 school. It's a school that was in the college football playoff only five years ago. Um, it, there are worse destinations out there. Northwestern got Peyton Ramsey from Indiana, who was a solid quarterback. They also, it didn't work out, but they also got the dude, what was it, Hunter Johnson from Clemson? It was a grad transfer. It wasn't a grad transfer. It was just a transfer portal kid. He was like a five-star recruit. I mean, if Northwestern's able to pull some of these quarterbacks, these talented quarterbacks, I I think Michigan State would certainly be a destination for some of these guys. And I think that's the route that this coaching staff should at least explore. Yeah, and I don't know how much you want to read into, or I don't know if you have anything planned to talk about the press conference yesterday of Mel Tucker's, but he kind of alluded to, you know, I I think the question was asked more about players entering the transfer portal and leaving our program, but his answer kind of alluded to the fact that he's not going to, he's not as opposed to that as somebody like Mark D'Antonio may have been. I think he understands how many talent gaps we have, and he understands that we're not going to be able to rely on the 2021 class to fill those gaps. They're going to be freshmen, true freshmen. And so we're going to need in the next couple of years to fill gaps with competent, ready players. And one of those gaps very well might be at quarterback. If one of these guys on our current roster is not going to pan out. So um, I don't, I don't think that movement will probably happen until the off season, um, especially with COVID. I think a lot of people who are thinking about entering the transfer portal, probably want a little bit more stability in general before they're making those kinds of decisions. So I think first I would say don't panic as some of our players do enter the transfer portal. It was inevitable. It's something Tucker talked about in the off season. It's something that we knew was coming and now it's starting to happen and we're not going to fill those gaps right away in the transfer portal. They're putting their names in, but we're not going to bring names back until this off season. So don't panic. 
Um, the guys that we have seen entering the transfer portal are clearly guys that were in the program, had an opportunity to get snaps this year, and it's just not really panning out. So, I mean, you look at Anthony Williams and Marcel Lewis, both guys that some people thought we should see them on the field a little bit this year, um, and it hasn't really happened. So um, it's just kind of a natural consequence, I think, of a coaching change in the era of the transfer portal. You know, we haven't been through a coaching change in this era. Um, so it's something that our fan base is not used to. And again, my only message is just don't panic. Let things play themselves out. Mel has a vision. Some players are going to buy into that. Some players aren't. And, and this is just one of the products of that. Yeah. And, and I, since we're on the topic, like I, I just want to make like a public service announcement here. Uh, for anybody that's on social media, for anybody that's on any message, message boards, stop, stop being the guy who's criticizing an 18, 19, 20 year old kid for entering the transfer portal and saying he's not competitive and saying all the, you know, this generation's soft and this kid's weak minded. I've seen so much of that crap today. It's driving me nuts. Um, of course, Marcel Lewis and Anthony Williams, like you mentioned, have entered the transfer portal. Like this is a day and age where they have the ability to do that. And and I'm always on the side of the player in, in a general sense. I mean, coaches can come and go as they please. We are a direct product of that. I don't blame Mel Tucker one bit for doing what he did and leaving Colorado after one year and coming to Michigan state and announcing that like two hours after a booster meeting where he was saying to Colorado fans like, Hey, you know, I'm building this program. This is everything. I don't mind it one bit because as an individual, you do what you got to do. And at that time he was a Colorado buff. He was making that statement as a Colorado buff. We up the offer. He took it. And I don't think many Michigan state fans criticized that. So when you're criticizing a player for doing basically the same thing, it drives me nuts. And and these kids now have the ability to do this. And there are a lot of circumstances that we don't know about behind closed doors that are going into these decisions. And if, if they want to make a decision that they think is best for their future, I'm all for that. And I wish these guys the best of luck. I, I hope they find a school that they're able to get snaps and get on the field more than they were here. And that's just the simple case of the simple reality of it. That just drives me nuts criticizing these kids for making decisions. Like if if you were, if you felt at your company, you're, you're driving to work right now and you felt like you were a good worker, you know, you work hard, you come into work and you just were not getting a promotion. And for some reason, some other guy kept, kept getting bumped up ahead of you and you just weren't getting there. And some other company came calling and they gave you a good offer, a little bit better pay, a little bit of a promotion. Would you just say, no, 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 I'm loyal to my company. I signed a contract here. Like it's just, I hate it. It's nuts. And I think people should stop criticizing 19 year olds for making decisions for their future. But I'll get off my soapbox here as we're, you know, kind of getting out of this topic. Cause I, I think, like I said, we're, we're going to be beneficial beneficiaries. That's the word I'm looking for of the transfer portal. That's going to be a reality of this. We're going to get talented players. Jaden Reed is already one of them from Western Michigan. We're going to get players from the transfer portal that are going to work out in our favor. We're going to lose some guys to the transfer portal. That's just the reality of, of this era of college football. 
Yeah. And not only that, I mean, to go back to your analogy of work, you know, another layer of that is that they got a new boss. I mean, you, let's say you interviewed with the boss, you know, you like him, you know, you believe in his direction for the company or for your job and, and you're, you're buying into that. And then you had plenty of offers, but this was the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, and then he retires, they bring in a new guy. You don't really know him. Maybe he has separate beliefs. Maybe you don't really like his system as much. And that's not a dig on these players saying that, you know, they don't like Mel Tucker system. That doesn't mean Mel Tucker system is better or worse. It's just not what they had in mind for their, it's not where they think they would thrive. I mean, it, it again, just to go back to your point, don't blame these kids. They have a future to worry about. There's some guys that if you're sitting there, your goal is to make it to the NFL and you're like going into your junior year or something, not on the field. And you say, okay, I could go take a half step down in the quality of my conference, but I could be on the field the whole season and really prove myself and, and have my opportunity. I mean, that's a reality. We're talking about mm-hmm. these kids. They, they may be looking, mapping out their life for the next two, three, four years and saying, I no longer have the opportunity that I need, that I think that I need to achieve my goals. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's easy to say when you're watching TV, you know, when you're watching a game on TV, that these kids are, are lazy or they're not driven or they're not, they don't believe in themselves or they have poor work ethic. They're making a decision for their future to try to put themselves in a situation to succeed. And that's the same thing everyone listening would do. That's the same thing you'd want your kids to do. So um, yeah, be easy on these kids. They're making a decision for their future, doing what they think is best for them. And Mel Tucker understands that same reason he wishes them well, you know, and, and they wish Mel Tucker well, and everybody just wants everyone to succeed. So yeah, get off, uh, you know, get off your high horses, get out of your ivory towers and, and face the facts that this is, it's a business without money and these kids are just making decisions to try to succeed. Yeah. So I like, I mean, it's a kid, Anthony Williams specifically, it's a kid who's, he's gotten four carries this year and one catch. Uh, he just hasn't really seen the field the way he, he was expecting to. Jordan Simmons comes in as a true freshman and and seems to be kind of the leader in the backfield. And then you have a guy like Audric Estime coming in next year and it, maybe he just sees the writing on the wall and he's like, look, that kid in, in New Jersey out there is, is uh, a little bit better than me. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I know what I'm capable of and, and I see what that kid's capable of, right? Like, we don't know what's going on in these kids' heads. We don't know what decisions these kids are making. So, you know, just give them some slack. And speaking of Audric Estimate, this is another really quick kind of sidebar and we'll get back to, to our topic here. But um, there, there was a, a basically mass update of the recruiting rankings on 24 seven. Scott, did you see this earlier today? I knew, I knew they were doing it, but I have not taken a look at the actual ratings yet. So this, this is one of my favorite things. I, I very loosely follow recruiting and we've talked about this before the two of us, we're not recruiting experts. We don't really follow this thing too closely. And one of my favorite things is that because when I look at recruits, basically my process is First and foremost, I look at who has offered this kid a scholarship. I don't care about his stars. I don't care about his rating on rivals or 24 seven, because basically what that's telling me is, you know, some dude, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he knows anything about football. I don't know if he knows anything about what he's quote unquote scouting is giving this kid a three star or a four star and there's how many three stars around the country, like 7 million. I don't know. And this three stars better than 
I care about the the coaching staffs who have guys that have been coaching football for 20, 30 years and saying that this is a kid I believe in and I want on my football team, right? So first and foremost, I really just care about the offer sheet. And that's why when you go back to the off season and I've talked about recruiting, the first thing I always say is, oh, this is a kid who had a big offer sheet. He was offered by this school and this school. That's all I really care about. And so it's always hilarious to me. And I know some of these kids got a bump. I know Audric Estime got a bump up to a four-star on 24-7. And it's just hilarious that we're going to look at this like a couple weeks from now and look at the MSU team ratings. And we're going to look at our, our ratings compared to the rest of the Big Ten and be like, see, see, you know what? This This class is actually pretty good now. It's like, well, actually, it was pretty good the whole time. It, it just was that you know, this kid went from an 87 to an 88 and a half. And now all of a sudden he's a better player. Like it just makes me laugh, but yeah, some of these kids got a bump. I know estimate went up to a four star in 24 seven and Hey, our class is looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they continue to put it together. There's still some names out there. Obviously we talked a little bit about recruiting and the big wins we got last week with Rayshon Benny. I think we got four, four or three, four stars on two, four, seven. Now, um, if you are somebody who subscribes to counting those stars, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I know there's a little bit of talk about Notre Dame making a big push for Estime and he, he seems kind of fond of them. So fingers crossed. Yeah. We can, I'm getting uh, worried about him. <laughs> yeah. We can, hopefully we can keep courting him. He, he continues to stay put. Uh, that'd be obviously a disappointing loss, uh, but plenty again, of playing time available. Yeah, exactly. And we gotta, we gotta get this offensive line looking good for him these last few games here, but uh, yeah, no, we'll see again. If anybody's out there um, who, who likes to talk to recruits in their mentions, whatever it is, please be respectful of these kids. Don't do it in the first place. If you do it, keep it nice. Keep it respectful. These kids again are making decisions about their future, not yours. So please be respectful of it, regardless of what happens. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I know, I, you know, looking at a few of the other prospects out there, I think we've got a little bit of, of movement coming up. One of them, God, I'm trying to remember. Who I know Raquan Bunkley is, is an offensive weekend. lineman who's announcing his top five or top seven or yeah. whatever arbitrary number he decides on. Yeah, I think that's going to be on like Friday. So I think we, we're trying to play him at uh, tackle. He's actually listed as a strong side defensive end on 247 but he's a two-way player um who i think we want to tackle so we'll see um a few good names coming in and hopefully get some momentum in 2022 as well but uh yeah we'll see i mean at the end of the day I, I think mel tucker's saying the right things i believe in his approach um and and you know i think that'll rub off especially on these younger guys you know the 2020 class that's in there right now and then these guys coming in i think they'll have the opportunity to really get their heads behind you know, this system without, without any interruptions from the previous system, not to say that D'Antonio, you know, didn't run a clean program or have his head on straight, just to say, you know, consistency is a powerful thing. And, and hearing the same message from the first year you're in there is, is a powerful thing. So um, I expect, you know, as we go through in this, in this roster takes shape over the next couple of years, it's only going to get better and better. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, there's, there's quite a few names still out there. Um, it's, it's, probably about time for the 2022 class to start kind of looking at their schools and and we're going to start getting like the 
uh, the tweets about here's my top 18, like, you know, respect my decisions or something like that. I, that's one of my favorite things in, in following recruiting as, as little as I do is some kids, like they just put out some arbitrary number with some random schools and then they'll put the, uh, the attachment, like recruiting still open, you know, like it's, it's hilarious. I love recruiting. Uh, but can yeah, I, go I think in- it was Keon Coleman put out like his <laughs> I, like top, well, I don't know if it's a top, but it was a, it was a graphic with at least 25 schools on it. <laughs> um, and, and we were on there and I'm like, I, I honestly can't get excited about this. Like, this feels like he just took, he's playing Yahtzee with college football teams, but, uh, Right. Anyway. You got, and, and on there, you got like Florida international. And so it's like, really, man, right. <laughs> Louisiana, A and T and right next to Oklahoma. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I think we can cross a couple of those off the list, but you know, but I guess he was, he was like committed to Kansas. So I guess if you're willing to play football at Kansas, you might as well go to Florida A&M or Florida. Right. International and again, or, he, he's a bit unique because he's a two sport player. Uh, and I guess the idea would be that he would take a football scholarship and then walk on to the basketball team. I honestly don't really know what kind of a basketball talent he is. Um, his recruiting profiles certainly seem a little bit more developed around football. Um, so I would expect that to be his primary sport, but he, he definitely seems, um, you know, pretty set on playing both sports wherever he goes. So Perhaps that played a factor in him decommitting from Kansas, but um, certainly would be exciting to have a two-sport athlete to watch. It's it's pretty rare these days, obviously. Yeah, Matt um, Trennan's the last one I can remember at Michigan State. There was yeah, there was another guy who was a big guy. I can't remember. Um, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt Trennan was awesome. And uh, Kirk Gibson, obviously legendary yep. football and baseball and MSU Hall of Fame. Uh, I think, is he in the MLB Hall of Fame? He may not be. That's a I have dude. no but, idea. I don't really follow baseball. So, and then you got, uh, you know, it was a big weekend for him. I know DeAndre Hopkins played basketball at Clemson as well. That's a, a little known fact. I think he scored like four points a game or something, but. Yeah, that's if if kids want to do it, hey man, like they've uh there there's been studies done, there's been a lot of conversations about when when teams are or when NFL teams I should say are looking at some of these kids, they don't they would rather have the multi-sport athlete growing up than the like you know one sport specialist, right? They want yeah. kids who played everything or just competitive and athletic like so, hey, if a kid wants to go and play two sports in college, if he's good enough to do that, especially at a big-time program like a Michigan State, like a Kansas, I mean, I'm not saying that I could go and play football for Kansas right now, but I don't think it takes too much talent, but that basketball program certainly knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And then you got, I mean, you got guys like Antonio Gates, who originally actually wanted to come to Michigan state to play football under Saban and obviously basketball under Izzo. Um, I don't think he ever played a game for, for MSU. He bounced around in college. Oh, no, that's a miss. Mostly played basketball. Um, actually, I think he only played basketball in college, but then, you at know, just called up Kent the NFL, state, NFL. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He started at Eastern and then most of his career was at Kent state. Uh, graduated, didn't make it to the NBA, just called up the NFL said, Hey, you know, <laughs> 
be cool if I could play some football. And uh, obviously he's a future Hall of Fame tight end now. So And full um, circle, his son is targeting MSU. So, yep. We'll see if he uh, finds his way there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be Keon Coleman. It'd be great to see a two sport athlete. I think it's probably a little bit harder to make it on the Tom Izzo's roster right now than, than Mel Tucker's just <laughs> given the size and the uh, prestige of the program. But, you know, I, I mean, you take a walk on with some serious athletic ability like that. I'm sure Tom Izzo wouldn't be complaining. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why not. It's, it's always fun to see these kids. Like I, I remember Matt Trannon from when I was younger and it was just a lot of like, he was one of my favorite players. Cause you got to see him year round. Like it was, it was something just kind of unique and interesting. It was, you see him on the, out there on Saturdays, the whole fall. And then you transition to basketball season. You're seeing him out there on the floor a couple days a week. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but let's let's get back to uh, you know this 2020 MSU football team. Uh, we we've kind of talked about the offense. The one thing that we haven't gotten to yet is the offensive line. And you kind of mentioned there we're we're definitely if if we're going to attract a guy like Audric Estime, we're going to have to make some strides here. And it's I talked about on Monday's podcast some of the the stats that were pretty alarming, right? Our, our yards per carry, our yards per game this year, but also last year that, that were just bad, like 123rd out of 125 schools in, in yards per carry. I mean, it's bad. You go to football outsiders. Now this is, this is the analytics world has taken over football outsiders. It's one of those kind of analytics based websites. They have a lot of good stats, and one of the things they do is, is line yards per carry. So obviously we have our traditional yards per carry, you know, how many yards did you run for and ever carry? Um, they, they basically have some algorithm and they watch every snap that, that more or less it's talking about how many yards were generated by the offensive line, right? So if the running back goes up there, there's a wide open hole opened up for the offensive line he gets four yards and then gets tackled immediately. That is is good on the offensive line and it's bad on the running back, right? Um, so how many yards did the offensive line generate? Michigan State is the third worst in the country at 1.81 line yards per carry. So we're just in front of Northern Illinois in the MAC, who's only played a couple games, and UMass. So it's not good. It's It's... In fact, real bad, and then we're a full point two yards uh, above the next or behind the next school, which is Purdue, who's just throwing the ball all over the yard. They don't really run the ball, and then Kansas, Miami of Ohio. I mean, it's it's rough. The offensive line has been really bad, and I like I don't know where we go from here because Devontae Dobbs has been. I don't know. It's kind of a question mark. Nobody really knows, but from what I've seen more or less like a healthy scratch, uh, it's, it's been hard. And this offensive line just, I, there was the question last week, like would any of the offensive linemen on this team start for anybody else in the big 10? And my answer was, I think Kevin Jarvis could find himself a spot somewhere, Illinois or something like that. I think J.D. Duplain has played pretty well at the left guard spot, but left tackle, center, and right guard have been horrible. 
and the line as a whole, of course, suffers because it's a unit. It's, it's hard to excel as one guy without being a great unit. So, I mean, the offensive line has been bad. I don't even know where we go from here. Yeah. I mean, you know, this one I struggle with because I was really excited about Chris Campolo, which is a hire and I'm not by any means trying to say he's not the right guy for the job. Obviously he's had four games in the job in a month of preseason, if that. So uh, still a lot to be seen, but what startles me is that they seem to be getting worse every week. Um, you know, against Rutgers, they were meh. I mean, they were not good by any stretch, but it wasn't the worst game I've ever seen against Michigan. We didn't give up a sack. Um, and then the last couple of games, especially against Indiana, I mean, it just felt like holes were blowing up for the defensive front seven every play and you know you watch I watched obviously that game on Saturday and then I watched the Michigan Wisconsin game and you, you watch a team like Wisconsin who's notorious for their run game um, when I'm watching Michigan State you know we in our, our running back gets tackled at the line this goes back to line yards per play you know we get at like negative two negative one zero maybe one yard on those plays where he's getting tackled kind of in the scrum right and then I watch Wisconsin and I watch a similar play where the running back just kind of gets into the scrum, goes down, and then the ref spots the ball and they get five yards. And you're like, <laughs> what? How did, how, did, how did that happen? He was in the backfield the whole play because the offensive line is pushing the line of scrimmage five yards every play. And it's, it's something that, you know, I didn't know the line yards per carry stat before you just mentioned it to me now, but it's something that I've been, it's been visible while you're watching these games of like, these running backs, they're making cuts as soon as the ball is in their hands. They're not, they're not getting any chance to read holes. They're not getting a chance to pick their spots, to accelerate or anything. They're getting the ball. They're looking ahead and immediately trying to get away from arm tackles. And I mean, I think some of it's on the running backs. They, they certainly haven't looked like the most developed group either, but this often, I mean, it's just been bad and getting worse. And I, and I agree. I mean, it goes back to, a similar conversation to what we were having before Peyton Thorne came in, you know, before last game with the quarterbacks is if it's that bad, why aren't we using this opportunity to see more guys? Why isn't Devontae yep. Dobbs getting on the field? Why isn't Spencer Brown getting on the field? These are highly touted recruits who, okay, sure. Maybe they're not great in practice. Maybe they didn't quote unquote earn their snaps over the other guys, but the other guys aren't earning their snaps on the field. So in some guys, they just have a knack for playing really well in the game, you know, when, when it all comes together, when the pressure's ratcheted up, they make plays and they excel and they turn into leaders in front of your eyes. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's certainly not going to happen if they're sitting there on the sidelines. We're at one and three. We look like trash on the offensive side of the ball regularly. Use it. We're not losing any eligibility this year. Use this opportunity. And, and Mel Tucker has constantly said how he wants to use this year to evaluate. You know, and practice is fine. I know you can get a lot more reps and a lot more looks in practice, but at the end of the day, game film, one snap of game film is worth 10 snaps in practice. So why aren't we using this opportunity to see these guys? Because this offensive line just looks so frustratingly bad. And at first it was just the run game and the pass protection was okay. It has now become pretty much every facet of the game looks terrible on their end. So, and, and the competition is not getting any easier. So frustrating um i would love to have a team like maryland who certainly stronger than we thought but not as strong as some of the other big 10 teams where we may be able to filter some other guys in there 
Um, but and yeah, weak it's on the defensive sure. side, which like we talked about on Monday, like, you know, do we want to play this game? Would it be nice to just kind of be able to, to take a week off, get a little breather. And the one thing that's in my head, I'm like, this Maryland team, sure. I mean, we're like five point underdogs right now in Vegas. If this game is played, we might not win, but it's at least a defense. That's pretty bad. Their offense has been putting up points, but the defense is bad. So it, it maybe will give this offense like a little shot of confidence, a little chance to put some points on the board and, and feel good about themselves or something. Cause yeah, I mean, seven points in two weeks, it's rough out there. Yeah, I mean, we're we're sitting at fifth to last in the country in uh, uh, rushing yards per game at, I think we're at like 78, like 79, 78, something yeah. like that. Yeah, we're at, uh, let's see here. It's like 2.2 uh, 2 yards a carry. I mean, our points per game is seventh to last in the country at 15.3. I mean, we, we like to make fun of teams, you know, power five teams like Kansas and Cal who just have abysmal statistics. But unfortunately, that's where we are. On the offensive side of the ball, that's what we're looking at right now. 15.3 points per game. Where Where's Kansas at? Because I, I actually Kansas like. Kansas is at 15.1. They are sixth oof, to last. Okay. We are seventh to last. Thank God. We are sitting above them by one. <laughs> spot and Cal is second to last um above us you got Vanderbilt a couple spots above oh, us Michi- Mississippi State <laughs> Illinois Syracuse Nebraska then you get into like Tennessee and a few other ones but yeah I mean <sighs> when it comes to the offense it's as close to rock bottom it's a lot closer to rock bottom than you would ever want your team to be so um again <laughs> And I mean, this may sound lame, but we beat Michigan. To me, we, we have just about as much success as we honestly. Paulie B is an East Lansing baby. For. Um, it's it's not. I mean, like you said at the top of the show, I thought we were going five and three. Certainly, that was inflated, and I knew that. I knew that was inflated by offseason enthusiasm, but I I didn't think we were going to be this bad. I really didn't. Um, but you know, it is what it is. We still have things to look forward to we have plenty of excuses if you're an excuse maker um and uh yeah i mean i i am frustrated though i mean the offensive line they're as experienced as they've been in years for michigan state i mean it's not the we're not rolling out guys who were exactly the most highly touted recruits but you know they've been around each other for a while and they supposedly have a pretty solid coach so you'd expect a little bit more from them but um yeah, we can only go up from here. Yeah, and that's one of the things with the last couple of years is the Michigan State offensive line basically ever since 2017. And even in 2017, the offense wasn't great. I think we we look back on that year because we had 10 wins. We're like, oh, yeah, you know, Brian Lewerke had his best season. and Like the offense still wasn't great. The offensive line certainly wasn't great that season was a lot of the defense was phenomenal and Brian Lewerke just scrambling and, and making plays outside the pocket. Like it it was not just a good, clean offense. It, It was a lot of, and that's been one of the weird things is Michigan state has been kind of a statistical anomaly the last few years, because traditionally like experience on the offensive line 
outweighs anything else. And we've had an experienced offensive line. Like part of it's due to injuries is because we've had so many guys that have gotten starting reps through multiple games that everybody we're putting in there is experienced. Everybody that we're putting in there has played meaningful snaps. The problem is that maybe they're just not very good. Like it's it's been frustrating. But I mean, going back to one thing you said there that that is an interesting point is, yeah, Mel Tucker has said it's basically an evaluation year and it's it's the process over the results and all of this stuff and. And he just hasn't gotten a lot of guys on the field that we would expect to get on the field. And look, I, I certainly the coaching staff, these guys, they know a lot more about these kids than we do. They know a lot more football than we do. I know, but sometimes the fans are right about stuff. Sometimes we're right about stuff. We were right about Rocky Lombardi. It's sometimes it, it works. And so when we're all calling for just, Hey, let's see some of these red shirt freshmen. Let's see some of these sophomores. Let's see some of these true freshmen. Like maybe we're right on this one. Maybe the coaching staff isn't getting enough of these guys involved. And, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see who those guys are because like, you know, going back to the transfer portal conversation, like, if I'm Julian Barnett, I'm out of here, man. And, and maybe it's because he's not as good as we thought he was. That's a certainly a, a possibility. Maybe it's because him and the coaching staff just, you know, they've butted heads a few times. Maybe there's a lot of different scenarios that are playing out here, but the, we saw the natural athleticism and the talent last year on the offensive side how that hasn't translated into playing time on the defensive side. Again, there's certainly a lot of factors that go into it, but I'm pretty sure he's the highest rated recruit we have on this team, him and Devonte Dobbs, and neither of them have been playing. So with those two guys, they're, they're two people who haven't gotten playing time under this new staff. And they're two people that certainly still have that, you know, they have that five-star label on their name. They're going to have opportunities elsewhere. You know, if they, if they decide to enter the transfer portal, which wouldn't surprise me in the least, they're going to have schools that are going to come calling. They're going to have power five schools that are going to be interested. So I, I don't know that that's just one of those things where th- I've gotten every time we put out a mailbag on Twitter, I get questions about why haven't we seen Julian Barnett? Why haven't we seen Julian Barnett? I don't know. <laughs> there's like honestly and nobody knows anybody that's outside of that building that says they know why julian barnett hasn't gotten on the field is lying to you because nobody knows again it could be a disagreement in philosophy it could be just maybe he's not that good on defense like maybe maybe the the high school tape is you know against high school kids like i have no idea but whether it's julian barnett whether it's Devin Hightower, somebody that I I liked a lot coming out as a linebacker, whether it's, you know, I don't know, name, name your player. I just want to see these kids on the field more. Michael Fletcher is somebody who has started to get a lot more opportunities the last couple of weeks at defensive end. He's looked pretty good. So I'm pretty happy about that, but let's get more of these kids involved. Let's get more of these kids on the field because we're not going to be winning games and that's okay. As long as you find some players that are going to be your cornerstones for the next couple of years, 
under this coaching staff, under the, on this roster, some leaders on both sides of the ball that, you know, you can count on And that's, I think, you know, kind of coming around like, a, and where we're at halfway through this year, I think that's one of the most frustrating things is I don't know if, if we have anybody cause Antoine Simmons is gone next year. Uh, Jacob Panishuk is probably gone next year. Naquan Jones is gone next year. Like some of these guys that we're relying on for this leadership roles on the field are gone. Like who are going to be the guys that step up and replace them? We haven't seen that. We haven't seen a lot of these guys get chances to be that player. So I don't know, man. I, I don't know who's going to be the, the people that step up. I don't know who are going to be the people that the coaching staff gives these opportunities to, but I would like to see a lot more of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see how the philosophy changes as this season goes on. Obviously it's, it's a weird season. We still have half of our, of our games left, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, if, if the, if the message is it's the process over the results and it's about evaluation this year, then, you know, why aren't we evaluating? Um, and, and I'm sure they are in their own way. I don't want to second guess this For again. Sure. For sure. We're just a couple podcasters. They're professional <laughs> football coaches who get paid millions of dollars to, to evaluate players, but it's frustrating um, to go back to one thing you said, Julian Barnett is the second highest rated according to two, 24 seven Devonte Dobbs yeah, uh, okay. just edged him out in rating. Who would be so number Dobbs, th- is, can you see on there pretty easily? Who would be number three? Cause yeah. neither of those guys are playing. Uh, Kalon Gervin is okay. number three. So yeah, it's Dobbs and Barnett, both Belleville. So you're, you're kind of threatening to burn <laughs> some bridges in Belleville if they don't start getting on the field there, but um, Gervin, that's a pipeline. Naquan I want to keep open. Certainly. <laughs> Naquan Jones, Kevin Jarvis, then you got our two tight ends, Gillison and Dotson, actually. Yep. Both four stars. Gillison was uh, – um, we played against his school when I was in high school. Obviously, he wasn't there yet, but we played against yeah. – us from Moeller, Archbishop Moeller in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's Dotson from Moeller. Um, oh, you're right. And then Henderson – Gillison's also Henderson from Henderson and Simmons. He from? Pickerington Central. Yeah, yep. okay. Yeah, so beyond those guys, you got two more four stars, Henderson and Simmons, and the rest are three stars, according to 24-7. So yeah, uh, certainly some talent to work with. But like you said, we're going to lose a lot of these guys next year. Um, Well, I mean, Jones is gone. Uh, Jarvis is a junior, so he'll be back. Simmons is gone. Henderson will be back. Dotson's gone. Gillison will be back. So, I mean, we'll have some talent. But but these four-star guys who are coming back, Dobbs, Barnett, Gervin, Jarvis, Gillison. I mean, they're not, like you said, they're at least yet, or at least what's been visible on, you know, telecasts and what we've heard coming out of, you know, beat writers and everything. They haven't really taken that step to take over the program. I mean, with one exception, I would say Xavier Henderson has, he was a leader in the program last year um, as a sophomore and certainly has retained that position this year. So I expect his name to be buzzing quite a bit this off season um and but we'll see i mean yeah, you really and, i i really think these these position groups that are struggling like the offensive line uh like the running backs obviously quarterback you'd love to have a leader there those are the when when you have a position group struggling like that that's when you really want to see a guy step up grab the reins say this is my unit i'm going to be the one to bring these guys up and make everybody around me better and who's that going to be so we'll see we'll see if somebody steps up yeah, and, and Kalon Gervin's another guy who, you know, of those highly rated recruits, he was playing pretty well at the beginning of the year. He 
obviously was was out for this last week against Indiana along with like basically our whole secondary um but he's he's been on the field he's been playing pretty well for us but yeah man it's i i don't know man we we talked about the transfer portal we're certainly going to lose some guys and we're certainly going to get some guys from somewhere else so i don't know you see Julian Barnett and Devonte Dobbs i think i tweeted this out a couple of days ago but when uh when Marcel Lewis entered the transfer portal like those are the two names that stick out to my mind immediately. It's Barnett and Dobbs because those are the guys that are going to have the most opportunities in other schools and neither of them have been playing. So um, you look at both of the, I mean, Devonte Dobbs had like 50 offers from power five schools. Like he's going to have places that are still interested. So I don't know, man, but we'll see how it all plays out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, today, like I said, we, we don't, we probably don't have have a game but again as you're listening to this we'll probably know one way or the other if there is a a maryland game here this weekend we will certainly preview it uh and i'll just put it out a a day later than normal but because we're not really expecting it we didn't want to do a whole preview for a game that's probably not going to happen so uh, we we decided to do something a little different here went off the rails a little bit but that's the beauty of it. I think this is uh, it, there's some compelling conversations to be had halfway through this season. So um, a- any other thoughts here before we wrap this thing up on a, on a Thursday for the people? Um, you know, hopefully we get another win. I mean, looking <laughs> one last question for you, looking at the rest of the schedule, if, if oh, we we're geez. looking to, to scrap out one more win, uh, I mean, I think Ohio state's probably not the top of anyone's list, but Given what we've seen from Penn State sitting at a cool 0 and 4, and given what we've seen from uh, Northwestern, yeah. who I believe is 4 and 0, yeah, yep, yep. Um, they got Wisconsin coming up this weekend. But which uh, which game are you circling on your calendar? I mean, traditionally <laughs> it would certainly be Northwestern, but what do you think? Yeah, like going into the season, I, we both had that Northwestern game circled. Uh, obviously, they're they're playing lights out football right now. I actually, I'll, I'll give myself something because uh, I remember on the preview where we we predicted every Big Ten game, I had Northwestern beating Wisconsin. And so we got our, our weekly picks, again, follow along at Standing Room MSU on Twitter, at Spartan Martin 18 on Twitter. We pick every Big Ten game against the spread. Um we have Wisconsin and Northwestern Wisconsin's a touchdown favorite right now. My first instinct was like, ah, man, Wisconsin, they're playing so well right now. And then I remembered that I took Northwestern to win that game straight up preseason. So I can't stray from that now, but to get back to your question, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it because I, man, I don't know. Northwestern, they're playing really great football right now. I, I think they're so well coached and disciplined that uh, an unexp- inexperienced coaching staff and inexperienced team, we're going to have a really hard time winning that game. Obviously, Ohio State, we're not winning that game. And Penn State, they're a bit of a dumpster fire right now, honestly. I mean, we laugh at Michigan. Penn State might even be in a worse position. But at least the thing with Penn State is is – I think they have more excuses than a a school like Michigan. They lost their best player who opted out Micah Parsons. Who's like a top 10 NFL draft pick type of player. This isn't just, yeah, you know, everybody is losing players. They lost a, uh, you know, a true generational talent at that school. 
Um, and I know they lost their starting running back to some heart issues before the season. So they've dealt with a little bit more than most other schools, but still the Owen four is not what they were expecting. They've been competitive in these games. Um, I guess if we're going to have to pick between the three, I would go with Penn state just because of the way that they've looked so far this year. And maybe by the end of the season, you know, we see a, a couple more opt-outs on the team that are just like, Hey, look, I, I tried to play this season out because of my draft stock or whatever. And this clearly isn't helping me. So I'm out. Like maybe they lose a couple more guys. I don't know, but I guess of the three important Penn state, would be the most likely win and who would have thought that going into the year yeah yeah i mean i think that's the logical answer i mean northwestern's always given us fits and they look stronger than ever uh the fighting pat fitzgeralds have finally found their their, their just, year i think he just, just does took it. covid every um, once in a while he just does it all right so i'm gonna throw out uh one last thing because i if you do ha- if we do have a game this weekend and you do a preview episode i will not be on it uh just a quick prediction in case it happens so uh the spread i found my bookie.ag minus six and a half for maryland so msc is at plus six and a half with an over under of 54 and a half so uh quick math that puts it at 48 24 points so that's like a 31 24 maryland win um, I'm going to go give me the over and give me Maryland because I'm seeing a trend lately, uh, especially with the defense on Maryland. I think we will be able to score some points, uh, but I don't think we'll be able to stop them enough. I will probably turn the ball over another dozen times. Um, give me Maryland like 38, Michigan State 28. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like I said, if if there is – a game to be played. I will give you all of my thoughts, so I'll withhold any judgment there, but uh, that that doesn't seem too far off. And again, going into this year, we, we both had thoughts about Maryland that, uh, you know, to be a touchdown underdog against we them wrong. going into this week is, you know, we're eating crow on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, yeah, it was fun. Uh, hopefully we do have a game. Again, if you have a if you have a preview episode tomorrow or whenever whatever day it is, I mean, stuck in a loss of days with this podcast. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'll be listening. We're Certainly, like everyone tune into Kevin. COVID, you know, stuff. We're all back at home again, and, and yeah, it's I don't know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, go green. It'll be fun. Any last words? Yeah, I mean, if there is no Maryland game, one of the selfish reasons I kind of hope there isn't is because that Ohio State-Indiana game is in the same time slot, and I really want to be paying attention to that one. So if there's no Maryland-Michigan State, this will be the last that you hear of us this week. Make sure you turn into Ohio State-Indiana. Throw a couple bucks on that Indiana money line because why the hell not? Uh, Ohio state's like 20 and a half point favorites right now. I think they're going to win the game by a lot, but, uh, Hey, Indiana's top 10 team. They look great. So let's wrap this thing up. It's been a blast. We went around, uh, (laughs) man, we, we, we touched on a little bit of everything here. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy the college football. Um, again, assuming there's no game, this will be the last you hear of us. So have a great weekend. Take care, folks.